everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Forbidden Love Rugby Podcast. I'm Reese, and this is the Welsh Rugby Podcast that's almost dry following the New Year's deluge at Cardiff Arms Park. We are coming to you remotely this evening, but nevertheless, I am flanked, albeit virtually, by Ed. Good evening, Ed. Hello. And Mikey. Good evening, Mikey. Coming up on this week's episode, we have Welsh Rugby News, a recap of the festive derbies, the fourth and finally final edition of Pivac Picked, predictions for Warren Gatlin's second first Welsh Six Nations squad, a little look ahead to the Welsh team's second block of European fixtures, and of course, our Forbidden Loves of the Week. So, with plenty left to sink our teeth into, let's get started with the Forbidden Love Rugby Podcast. Alright boys, uh, Happy New Year. Uh, here we go, episode four. Uh, shall we just get straight into it? Yeah, let's I, I do think it. Sure there's, been pl- there's been plenty of going on between now and, and the last time we uh, we met up. And again, yes, Happy New Year, chaps. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Indeed, I think we is, uh, this could be a long one, so let's get going. Uh, for those of you who'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at FL Rugby Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can email us at forbiddenloverugby at gmail.com. Or you can email myself at RJJ Blue and Black on Twitter. Uh, Ed, Mikey, how do the boys get in touch with you on Twitter? Uh, nice and simple for me is Eddie Rugby with. Uh, Three Ds, I think it was. <laughs> you can tell how often I go on Twitter. Uh, but if you look for me, you'll find me. I'm also linked to the Forbidden Love Rugby Podcast Twitter account. Mikey? Yeah, same you. Same you on the uh, Forbidden Love uh, Rugby Podcast Twitter account. My uh, personal handle is at Mikey S. Harris, all lowercase. Like I said, I don't know if that matters. <laughs> Smashing. All right. Well, um, I guess let's kick off with our first bit of news then, or, or non-news. Uh, it's the Welsh uh, senior men's coaching setup. I mean, we've all heard that Gatland is head coach. Uh, Neil Jenkins is staying. Jonathan Humphreys is also staying as forwards coach. So that probably means no room for Jonathan Thomas. Uh, so yeah, what do we what do you think about the confirmed appointments so far? We'll start of Ed, maybe. Um, oh, I'm really excited about this uh, new and upcoming coach we've got, Warren Gatland. Uh, very big <laughs> in New Zealand, I heard. So you know, lo- lots of uh, pressure on his shoulders to perform. Uh, in all seriousness, though, um, I'm surprised Jonathan Humphreys. I think um, I don't think. Our forwards have really performed under Pivok. Um, you think of the size of the boys we have. I think um, I just think it's it's not been a great showing. Um, some areas have improved, but some areas have remained the same or gotten worse. Um, so surprised by that, but you know, I trust Gatland, and he must see something in Humphreys, and probably doesn't want to upset the apple cart too much before the World Cup. How about uh, you there, Mikey? What, what do you think of uh, Jinx and Humphreys staying on? Yeah, um, much in the same vein as Ed, really, I think. Um, I made a few notes earlier, and um, I put down the three three staters, uh, Gats, uh, Jinx and Humphreys, and all I got down next to Gatlin is um, Return of the King, <laughs> which uh, it pretty pretty much is. like you know, I, I am, He had a long tenure in his first round with Wales, and um, 
let's hope his next tenure is is the same um, and, and with, with more success uh, if he does move on to the uh, let's call it a director of rugby role whenever he does be that after the World Cup or be that maybe after the next World Cup we don't know we can't we can't see that far ahead but yeah you know so excited to see Gatlin comes back coming back um, we know what he does and he does it well uh, Jenkins and he does what he does too um, I, I don't think there's been any complaint from any coach that's worked with Jenkins about his ability to coach the kick in and uh, yeah much in the same way as Ed with um, Jonathan Humphreys um, it's, I think there's there's a top two inches that Gatlin can bring to the forwards or at least to the to the dynamic of the coaching of the forwards Gatlin the hooker himself so maybe he has a an affinity maybe with fellow hookers such as Jonathan Humphreys and um, but uh, like I said, uh, is they, they were improvements throughout the autumn, and um, of course, uh, and most recently, like and um, but so this is probably going to be that top two inches where, where it's, it's going to come from with Gatlin pushing on uh, Humphreys in the right direction. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that this autumn Wales's maul all of a sudden seemed to be actually quite a weapon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no real, no real qualms. I think with. 2022 version of Humphreys staying on, or at least autumn 22 Humphreys staying on. Yeah, there there it is in it. And in terms of Jenkins, I mean, I've never seen anyone bring on a kick in tee quite as well as he does. So the man's man's got a job for life, right? I mean, (laughs) you know, long may that continue. Uh, In terms of arguably the two biggest deputy coaches, we still haven't got a confirmed defence and attack coach. And I'll admit not knowing much about the guys with the hats in the ring. But Paul Gustard seems to be being mentioned a lot in terms of defence. And uh, Alex King in terms of attack. Do you, do you boys have any opinions on that? Uh, let's maybe start with Mikey. Um, I had a bit of a sort of little look into this. Sort of Alex King with the attack. Um, there's a Wasps connection there with, uh, with Warren Gatland, of course. Like during his time with Wasps. And... Um, Alex King has been on the coach, um, played in France, played obviously played in Wasps, and he was Gloucester's attack, Gloucester's attack coach up till uh, last season, I believe, or there thereabouts. Um, I think it's Gatlin's got to go to what he knows. I think that was much the same with um, when he uh, brought in Sean Edwards. You've got to be comfortable with the people around you, I think, when you coach, because if you can't have that confidence in the people around you, then how do you put your point across as as head coach and what you want to achieve and what you want the team to achieve um looking around social media and and the, the wider media like um uh, mark jones is uh, mark jones former will uh, from a scarlet winger um has been mentioned as well he's worked previously with um with within the wales camp and the gatland uh, i think i can't remember the years but um this one is a little bit interesting due to his time within New Zealand, working with Canterbury and Crusaders. Um, if you look a little bit forward, maybe to the next World Cup. Um, what's, his, uh, what's his name? Uh, Scott Robinson. Name? Um, Scott Ro- yeah, Scott Robinson. Yeah. Um, he signed up with the Crusaders for 2023 for a year. Where does that leave him? Knowing that Mark Jones is about maybe, and if he gets the nod, uh, will that be a pull maybe for the next incumbent Wales coach? Maybe we don't know. But um, you know, there's there's maybe something to think about going forward there as well. 
Yeah, and I mean, um, it was interesting to see. I've never seen Mark Jones doing any punditry whatsoever. And then, all of a sudden, <laughs> he was at the Dragons game this weekend. Um, it was also... Theme, like an if- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You show you, you show up as a pundit, and uh, within a week you're, you're a coach of something. Uh, so, Ed, moving on to um, departures, then. So, Stephen Jones and Gethin Jenkins have departed. Uh, so, what what do you make of those departures? Uh, not surprised by Stephen Jones. I think um, again, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. I think I think he's a good coach probably should have had more time at club level before moving on to a international role. But um, yeah, just like our attack seemed very odd since Pivak took over. There, there never seemed to be a consistency with what we were trying to do. Uh, I felt anyway, like, I don't know, like they're trying to bring in this brand of rugby that I just don't think suited international rugby with, with, yeah. with our yeah. players. Yeah, it's, it's different though. Uh, Pivak coming from from the club regional game, trying to, to put a club re- club slash regional game onto an international stage. I don't think that's very easy. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter which coach it is. It could be any coach trying to achieve that and do the same. He plays what he knows, but it doesn't seem to work. No, and we've well, seen that firsthand. Squidge did that video, didn't he, where he said like when he was part. Uh, Scarlets, you know, he had he was a head coach of Scarlets, and I think it took him three three years or something to about that, yeah, to, to like sort of implement and and perfect the style that Pivak wanted them to play. But you know, he had those players week in week out, and was able to build that structure around them. And I just don't think that was working for us at all. Um, again, yeah, I, Stephen Jones, I is the think... attack coach, I you know, I don't know if he. Um, I just don't, well, I just don't know if he was the right man for the job under Pivak. Um, so not surprised by him going. I thought I thought he might keep Geff. I thought our defense was starting to improve. Slightly. Yeah, and Gatlin did like Geff in as a player as well, didn't he? Yeah, I thought that. Might he, he, he also liked Stephen Jones as a player, mind. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I think this may come back round to the sort of like, um, you know, to the best players. You know, we're looking at two players that Warren Garland favour, they Stephen Jones and Gethin Jenkins. Do the best players necessarily make the best coaches? Arguably not, no. No. Because and you, know, we, we, and you can understand why, like, you know, Gethin Jenkins is one of the top defenders in his time as a player, but some players are more adept to sort of showing their ways in the game rather than trying to implement their, their outcomes on the game. I think yeah. good players so, are good to have around uh, and have yeah. uh, lend their experience and knowledge in certain areas, but not necessarily a role of um, authority. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Nope. We all happy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to um, say um, <laughs> yeah. quickly with um, uh, Alex King, um, same as Mikey completely passed me by. Um, Completely didn't realise that he did help out in 2017 under Howley uh, when Gatland was off on the Lions tour. Did not know that. Uh, and also, I've kind of what I've written. I've got Alex King, and then I've just got Howley Light because <laughs> they played together at Wasps. They won the Heineken Cup yeah. together. You know, Gatland yeah. knew him as well. 
He's got good credentials. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he coached at Clermont Auvergne, Montpellier, Saints, and Gloucester recently. So, you know, looking into him in preparation mm-hmm. for today has actually made me, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad one of us has done the homework there. Anyway, <laughs> it, it seems to be there, like doesn't it? Like the route is you know, there. There's a route to sort of the, the top, which then the top being international rugby coaching in the coaching sense. Yeah, um, he's, certainly they're on that kind of track, and uh, much in the same vein as sort of Paul Gustard there. Like um, he's currently the coach of Stade France, he in second in the top fourteen. So um, you're doing something right there. Yeah, quite excited about Gustard. <laughs> if 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 he comes off, I think that's a good uh, acquisition. No, then uh, I don't know if you can call this a scoop, but uh, I was I was watching <laughs> Scrum Five earlier, and they were showing Gatlin in the crowd at the various games, and I did notice that sat next to him was Paul Stridgen. So I think we can confirm that Stridgey's stay in. And he's somebody who's quite well thought of in the in the yeah. squad, as far as I can tell, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, and, and I think wider he's been involved with the Lions as well. I think he's got a got a, a lot of credit in the bank with a lot of players throughout uh, throughout Britain. I think. Yeah, he's a very well liked character, and I, I don't know any players who speak badly of him. So that's a good yeah. scoop. I reckon he's a good person to keep around. Yeah. Okay. So, well, hopefully. There'll be news on who the coaching staff is around the same time as the squad announcement next week. Um, if there's not, I suspect there means there's trouble somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe the W is a bit cash strapped, and this is going to be some player coaches in the Six Nations. Who knows? Um, oh God. <laughs> so moving on. Uh, this week, uh, former WRU uh, board member Amanda Blank was uh, made Sunday Times Business Person of the Year following a successful restructuring of Aviva, uh, which apparently returned billions to their shareholders. Now, back uh, a couple of years back, she left Welsh Rugby stating, uh, if you feel that you're not being listened to, you need to move on. So in light of this award, what do you make of those uh, comments that the WRU weren't listening to her? Well, how, how how can you ignore those comments and how can you, like not believe her because her, her uh, awards and her history speak for themselves. You know, we've got uh, Strahirba born, uh, both her grandfathers were minors. So, you know, for a starter, it, she knows Wales and she knows Welsh rugby because she's a huge Welsh rugby fan as well. So, And it's not as if um, the WRU role was her first big role either. She's been at FTSE 100 companies for some time. Yeah, yeah. and then it comes with a, with a lot of with, with a lot of experience and understanding, understanding and knowledge of and clearly of how to turn businesses around. Oh, yeah, or, I think the WRU have, or or not even turn them around, just make successful businesses even yeah, more successful. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah. the WRU, it's almost a captive audience. I mean, people are going to throw money at it. Fans yes. are going to. Con- yeah, of course. You look at the the, the, the merchandise that's sold, the tickets that are sold. Yeah. Like it's, and, and, you know, it's, it's there, and she strikes me as the sort of person who could have you know, made that money work for the WU to make more money. It's, exactly. Like, <laughs> like I had to look into it. You know, she was um, uh, woman of achievement in 2008. Yahoo Finances Heroes Woman Role Model Executive List feature. Forbes is 2021 Power Women List recognizes the it's... 100 most influential women in finance by the Financial New Times. <laughs> 
you know, and then she's in the top twenty five. Speaks for yourself. Top twenty five uh, most um, financially influential people of twenty twenty two. Again, and it's just like how stupid and idiotic must you be to ignore this person and let them leave your company? I just yeah. it, it don't make sense. Like, does it? It's it's, it's ludicrous. And um, you know, if you've got someone with that much understanding in your team. Um, wanting to be on your team as well and willing yeah. to take up a position, then you've you, you've got to sque- squeeze them dry, like dreaming of everything they can offer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, she, she seemed totally motivated to do a good job for Welsh rugby, and with a proven track record, you've you just got to listen to people like that. And ultimately, yeah, that that is a, you know arguably one of the biggest losses to Welsh rugby ever. Yeah, I, 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 I could it's, agree. It's, 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 agree. Oh, absolutely! It, it sounds like um. There wasn't the ability to have any or, or, or much meaningful autonomy in decision making, or like I said, being listened to, and you know, being able to feel that that she could have put a stamp on on the element of of, of the WRU she was there to do. And the other thing is, if somebody that prominent says so publicly that they had a hard mm. time getting the WRU to go along with things. Um, you can see how that would then cause issues for the WRU to recruit similarly talented people down the line. Yeah, so yeah totally. I don't think the, I don't think the problem goes away, you know, uh, just Not by hiring really. somebody else. Um, okay, um, so sorry, go on, Mikey. Is it, is it um, that old boys' club kind of thing? I, yes, I think so. <laughs> potentially. Yes, I think uh, there could be some of that going going yeah. on there. Um, okay, so. One final piece of news, then, that sort of caught our attention in the WhatsApp group today. Uh, LRZ to NFL. This is the news that uh, Louis Rees-Zamet has been uh, linked, in quotation marks, <laughs> with a potential, in quotation marks, move to the NFL. So here are the facts. Uh, he's pricked the attention of some scouts. He's an NFL fan, and he attended the Triple H Tackling Academy. Uh, so the question I'll start with you, Ed. Are we just reading between the lines here, or is Louis off to America? Um, I think it's probably just a, a big, big load of nothing. Like you know, it's a Wales Online article to start with. <laughs> so what's probably happened is someone from Dallas Cowboys has said, "What." Have you seen this Louis Rees Summit? He's rapid. And then Wales Online <laughs> just dived right into it and taken it as gospel that, well, that's it. He's off to the NFL. <laughs> yeah, so somebody's, yeah, somebody in the NFL has seen his YouTube compilation clip with some sort of oh, happy yeah. hardcore behind it and, <laughs> and retweeted or something. Mikey, uh, any any other thoughts on that? Or, or no, you think I, we're reading too much into it? I, well, it's, uh, I, think, I think that's the case of it. I think um, it's a headline to, to grab attention. Um, but... Uh, Obviously, he wouldn't be the first to be um, snapped up by the NFL. Um, it was word way back in the day that Johnny Wilkinson was offered some time there to uh, to be a specialist kicker. I mean, he was pretty bloody good at what he did, mind. And um, for, for a, a bit of a payday, maybe, could have quite conceivably made the move. And I suppose, like, between the NFL, it's a, it is a version, I suppose you could call it, of the game of rugby so when the, and the skill set is quite transferable and if we take into consideration um, the Lewis Rees Summit he's going to have all the defenders in front of him and you'll have one straight line to a touchdown and how rapid have you got to be to try and make that like you know but um, I suppose there's 
the last sort of export from Britain was Christian Wade. And he had a bit of time with the Buffalo Bills. Didn't quite nail it down there. And um, he's uh, he's with the Racing 92 now. Um, so he's, and obviously yeah. there's, it's, 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 there's an appeal, isn't it? There's a lot of cash within the NFL. So it's, um, a young player like himself would be, he'd, he'd give it some mind, I suppose, to, to think about it. I, I think one thing it reinforces for me is that he is actually a hell of a naturally gifted athlete. You know, yeah. if, if he's if he's being courted by much bigger sports that he has no background in, I think people must just appreciate the athleticism of this guy. And yeah, we you know we've just got to do our best to keep him in Wales. I think. Um, yeah, I think he's he's probably he's probably um, he's obviously he's capped by Wales, and I don't think he's thinking of anything anytime soon of of, of jumping ship to any other. Sport, call it. Okay. Well, um, I think that just about wraps up the news, unless anything's broken while we've been rabbiting on these last 20 minutes. <laughs> Nothing of importance. No, great. Uh, right, we'll keep an eye on Welsh culture developments for the next uh, hour and a bit, but <laughs> yeah, hopefully we won't get interrupted. Uh, so I guess we should recap the derbies and what was actually another terrible round of predictions from us. Um, so I, I did listen back to uh, the last episode before we came on tonight. Um, so I'm just going to briefly rattle through what happened and what we predicted, and then we can maybe briefly talk about the games. So Ospreys beat Scarlets, and that was one game actually where we all predicted correctly that Ospreys would win. Uh, in Dragons Cardiff, Cardiff, of course, won that one. Two of us predicted a Dragons win, and only Ed predicted the Cardiff win. <laughs> it all goes rapidly Cardiff... downhill from there for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Cardiff Ospreys. Ospreys took the spoils, and only Mikey called that. Uh, Scarlet's Dragons. It was Scarlet's who were victorious, and only I called that one. <laughs> yeah. And... For Cardiff Scarlets, uh, Scarlets won that, and none of us got that right. So I did also do a little league table of who got the most predictions correct. Would anybody care to guess who won? Ooh, did, did, did someone win? It sounds like it's pretty, pretty even, but they like. <laughs> I think oh, it, we, was, it was. It oh, Sorry, go on, Ed. I say probably you, Reese, because I think you were probably closer with getting the correct points. It was a freeway tie with two apiece. <laughs> so yes, we, we we got two out of uh, five games there. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So shall we? Yeah, let's just rattle through. I guess get some thoughts on each of them. Maybe so. Uh, Osprey Scarlet. Did either of you pay close attention to that one? When um, yeah, I watched a bit of that. It was um, it was a bit of a flat game, really. After watching I the, so. the, the Dragons and Blues earlier in the day, and that was an absolute... That was a hell of a game. Oh, watching a it. Of it, game. Was, it was non-stop. And to to win it in the way the Blues did in the last minute was... Um, oh, it's a bit of a knife bit of a knife in the side, like in it, for, a bit of a thorn in the side for um, for the Dragons. But, um, yeah, the Osprey-Scarlets game. Um, just flat. I don't know whether it was yeah. the stadium, the field they like, but, you know, it was as predicted. Scar- uh, Ospreys uh, took the win. Scarlets didn't necessarily show up, but um, and I think he was as predicted. And um, the Ospreys didn't seem to have to move out of second year very often to sort of take the spoils. Yeah, I think um, it, it, I wouldn't say cancel each other out, but I don't know. I think 
maybe the crowd size was disappointing. Maybe I don't yeah. think they, it didn't even feel like an occasion. It was so weird. You, you compare mm. it to even though Rodney Parade was a sellout, it was a smaller crowd, I think. And yeah, the difference then, Ed, that that Dragons Cardiff game at Rodney Parade was just well bruising and vicious from start <laughs> to finish, right? <laughs> It was great. It was like it's kind of like what you hope a derby will encounter will be. You know, it had everything. It had like tempers, handbags. You know, great, great attacking displays, great defensive displays, aggression. You know, um, last minute match winning tries. It was just like (laughs) you know, it it was just like. well, it's just, you know, like you think about that Ellis Jenkins comes on at the end, uh, kick ahead, he chases, to, wins a turnover. Jared Jared does probably one of his best touch finders of all, se- all season, <laughs> right into the corner. Mm-hmm. Line out, driving more. Belcher, quick quick off the ball, like Rishu pointed out, you know, he took it off the back of that ball quickly, kind of, you know, weakened their line, and then Domachowski just bruised it over. and Yeah. Oh, get I just finest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I really did think we were going to lose that, and it's it's the most nervous I've been for a Cardiff game since possibly the the semi final against Poe a few years back. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and well, I think then off the back of that, maybe, and we've said this sort of thing before, maybe there was an emotional peak for Cardiff because at the uh, pod out in the following week, Mikey Osprey took the spoils. He did, and. Um... I didn't think they were going to. I thought that um, tapping the touch from Jack Walsh, Osprey's fullback, was the um, killer blow, and uh, obviously would have come that comes with a penalty. And I'm and I'm not sure why the Blues didn't go for the win. Who? Sorry. You know, for... Apologies. <laughs> Cardiff didn't go for the win. Come on, and, no, mate. Um, you must you, you must hear the word uh, Cardiff for that game about yeah, seven thousand no, times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I've written it to your Blues and Ospreys. I knew I was doing it at the time. <laughs> I just I just couldn't stop myself. The pen was blowing everything. I think at the time we were we didn't have any hookers available. Um, That's it. Yeah. We, yeah, we were about forty meters out, and at the previous lineout, I believe Ellis Jenkins threw in and it didn't go well at all. And I mean, our line yeah. struggles at the best of times. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I, I can see the logic because also a tap and go from that distance is a bit iffy. You, you get a flanker stuck into a breakdown and you're asking for trouble. Like, I mean, exactly. Ospreys have got, you know, Jack Morgan and I'm sure if he's on at the time, but like, you know, Justin Tubico, Jack Morgan could have had hands all over it. Like, and um, yeah, or even yeah. any one of the forwards. I mean, I think everyone, all the forwards that we've got, that ability to sort of jackal at some point. It is it's kind of interesting to me as well that we didn't give Ben Thomas a shot. I mean, I do know he's got a slightly longer range, if not the accuracy, but presumably Jared just said, give it to me, and it, it didn't come off for him. Uh, but it, it hell of an atmosphere, though, boys, right? It was, oh, uh, yeah, what a absolutely. Day out. Even with that horrendous weather, like, it was bouncing the entire match. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, it just goes to show what a little bit of success does, right? I mean, Osprey's off the back of a win, Cardiff off the back of a win, playing local rivals, and you get 12,000 people show yeah. up. Yeah. I was having to think about this earlier. Um, like, it's clear from the derbies, I mean, probably more clear more now than ever, that um, Welsh regional rugby is supported. I mean, yeah. you don't sell out Rodney Parade, the Arms Park. Okay, there are smaller venues than the Liberty Stadium and Park of Scarlet's. But 
Liberty Stadium and Hockey Scarlets, they're not the quintessential rugby stadia. You know, like you know, the Arms Park is is twelve thousand Rodney Parade. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. Let's let's call it eight thousand, but, but we don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you can like you know, we we shoulder to shoulder there with everyone else, wasn't we? Yeah. And, oh, it's great. You know, yeah, and that's why you want a rugby crowd to be like. And so my my thoughts here are like we play teams from Scotland, Ireland, South Africa, Italy. It's not Wales. Wales isn't the problem with support. It's everyone else. Them travelling fans aren't coming. To, yeah, to, to like the... your your average season ticket holder isn't getting on a plane once a fortnight no, to go and watch not. an away match. No. And yeah, it's it's a problem. And I mean, crowd size isn't the be all and end all. I, ultimately, it's it's one way of many of making money. And I think maybe they've identified they can make more money from TV rights. And for people yeah. whose feet are on the ground, it's a shame because, like, what an experience. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. you know, I think with, with a sellout, lucky to, get, lucky to be able to get a ticket, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like... <laughs> yeah, if, if, let's say... Um, let's say the fixtures has fallen a little bit differently, right? And... Ospreys had beaten Dragons and Scarlets, and then Cardiff had beaten Scarlets and Dragons, and then Ospreys Cardiff was the third oh. game. Oh God! I, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like you know, in, in a different universe, you could have maybe sold fifteen, sixteen thousand tickets, right? Yeah, um, but maybe, you know, as long maybe they were. But with, with this little bit of that's okay. With this little bit of form now that Ospreys and Scarlets have found, and the dip that Cardiff are in, and Dragons, well. They've maybe flattered to deceive. Um, <laughs> I feel like all of a sudden the, the Welsh Shield has gotten quite close. And come Judgment Day, you might see another pretty big crowd. There might be quite a lot on those yeah. games in terms of bragging rights and just interest there. Yeah. I, I was thinking, as you were saying, Reese, like, you know, with the um, Ospreys and say the Ospreys and Blues was the sort of call it the, the mini knockout cap, call it. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, are you moving that to the Millennium Stadium? Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, does you know? There's the potential to sell more tickets than the Arms Park could have held, and you know what an opportunity to get sort of to make it that sort of like cup final atmosphere, national stadium, two top teams in Wales coming together to to try and take the spoils. That'll only work though this... if it's if it's built that way. Like it, yeah, it, you yeah. know, I, I mean, Judgment Day is difficult, isn't it? Because you can't really, as a promoter, you can't promote one game over the other because you want. No, no. Well, to give both games equal um, uh, residence. But, yeah, if it does come to that and, like, the teams individually themselves promote it as this big, you know, Welsh Shield final, whose car park will the cup turn up in, then you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's got the real potential to be a bouncing crowd in the stadium, like, you know, the first yeah. couple of judgment days were. So two more to rattle through there, then. So there was a Scarlet's Dragons. I, I think... After the Cardiff Ospreys game, I just wasn't really in the mood for this one. Um, Again, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't was, remember much about it apart from the cards, really. Um, Again, another flat game kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I watched it and like I thought at times Dragons were up for it and really in the face of the Scarlets, and then the red card happened, and I think Dragons scored straight after that, and I thought, oh, here we go, you know. Hopefully the Dragons now will put their foot down and really strangle this game out. But then 
the handling was terrible. There was a lot of knock-ons, drop balls. Um, and I think once yeah. Scott, I think you know, once Scott has kind of got their foot into the game and realised that they were in it, even even a man down, I think that just buoyed them on. And I think the Dragons were just getting frustrated and just could not yeah. could not do anything about it by the end. And sometimes you've like as a team, you you pull together when you when you know you're up against it kind of thing, and that that's kind of a gelling factor where yeah. like you know you you try not to make that extra man count for the other team and 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 it and somehow some way it, it doesn't and it it seems like you got 16 men on the field and not 14 yeah 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 totally um and and finally then uh, yesterday it was Cardiff and Scarlets again at the Arms Park and losing two on the bounce in Cardiff is horrible and I've still got all of the Scarlet fans' songs stuck in my head, oh. <laughs> and it, they, like they, I'm, ha- not... I'm haunted by Sospenbach. <laughs> I'm glad I was playing in Plymouth then, and as far away as possible. Uh, <laughs> but again, you know, another ten fell was in there. It was absolutely bouncing. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, from where I was, and I, you know, you know, I'm like, I get there an hour early. I watch the warm-ups, and we looked wrong in the warm-ups, like. Priestland and Evans were sort of kicking back and forth to each other and getting really frustrated with dropped balls and missed kicks and slicing. Um, there wasn't th- that much zip about the warm-up. And I remember I sent you a little gif of the Scarlet's warm-up and it looked kind of light and mild in comparison. And I think the first half an hour really bore that out because the Scarlet's were all over us. And I mean, I think we didn't look very good at all until Lilo and Liam Williams went off and... We got maybe some youthful energy come on off the bench and things started to change. But by that point, there was just so much left to do. Yeah, Cardiff didn't look themselves of late. Mm. They've been, to be fair, they've been looking really sharp, really on it, like, and, you know, with a, with a, with a plan. And it seemed like that plan, whatever it was, didn't come to fruition. Um, yeah. Didn't seem, didn't look themselves, didn't seem themselves, which, you know, you've got to wonder. Uh, so, and, and sometimes it happens, like you just fail to rise to the boil. Like, I think part of it, maybe Ed, was that um, our big players have played in big games on a lot of consecutive weeks, and there hasn't been a lot of squad rotation. So, I'm wondering if maybe you think that it was one game too far for the likes of Akari or a Young or a Lilo, perhaps. Yeah, I think we were kind of anticipating some changes to be made during this festive period for Cardiff, but he's pretty much, you know, stuck with the core group of players for all three games. And I I think you're right. I think, you know, it it was probably just one game too many for a few of those boys. Like Tamani, he's not a young guy and he's not a small guy and he's played in all three of the games. And you're like, oh, (laughs) you know. Yeah, Yeah, I think and, and on Tamani, that that could segue nicely into uh, the refereeing. I feel like whoever lost that game would have felt irked by the referee's performance last night. I mean, if you're a Scarlets fan and Cardiff had won, you'd have been saying, well, why wasn't Tamani red carded? Uh, why was Shingler yellow carded? Why wasn't Ellis yellow carded for retaliating? And then from a Cardiff point of view, I know a lot, a lot of fans are saying our scrum was totally dominant. Why were we repeatedly pinged yeah. um, I, I don't know Mike have you got any, any thoughts on the, on the officiating I know you rewatched uh, the game this afternoon yeah um, 
from a this is, this is clearly coming from an impartial view. I, like I, I mentioned before, I found this game a dead rubber for me personally. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, I looking at the at the officiating. What was what was a positive to see that the, the TMO wasn't relied on as much as it has been. I think that's become a directive from World Rugby for the TMO not to be relied on as much. So it was good to see that come in from the off. Unlike the Dragons game, it seemed like the Dragons were going to the TMO no less than what was being instructed. But um, I think some of the, maybe in one particular scrum, uh, Arik's knee dropped to the ground. Yeah, okay, that's a, to, to the letter, is a penalisable offence. However, the scrum was a bit squiff at the time as well, so was that more a fact of, could that have been a reset rather than a, a, a penalisable offence? But I think Arip was struggling as well. He'd taken a bump in early on in the game and maybe he, should, he would have been better off coming off and then Azarati played the most of it. But yeah. um, I think looking looking at the game as a whole, um, the Scarlets very much took their chances. Um, and they haven't had a lot of luck with, with, with officiating and still they didn't with the yellow cards, high tackles. And that's certainly something they've got to look at as well. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 fi- I finally brought myself to watch the highlights uh, just before we <laughs> started recording. And yeah, like you could say that two of Scarlet's tries were quite fortunate. But of course, as you say, Mikey, uh, you take your chances, right? So, um, Luckily about one... Jonathan Davis's, yeah. yeah, about Jonathan that... Davis's try. And, you know, Dane Black had just been totally on it with his quick tap, um, yeah. which we might talk about later with regards to... Wales squads. Um, should we just round up the other two fixtures then? Um, Bulls beating Dragons and Leinster beating Ospreys. I mean, we'd have probably called that three weeks ago, but you know, I had a funny feeling Ospreys might have nicked it last night, and it felt like that for quite a lot of the game as well. Yeah, totally. I, you were actually there, weren't you, Mikey? I, yeah, I was. Uh, I was there last night. I had a look with a with a few friends of the pod. Yeah, uh, new friends of the pod, of course. All <laughs> <laughs> well, area, but um, for for sixty for sixty minutes, the Ospreys looked solid. Uh, and to push a team like Leinster that far, that hard, and for that long, and and then to like just see Leinster do Leinster things, and you know, yeah. t- and to see them, you know, be that comprehensive team who knows how to get out, get themselves out of sticky situations. Yeah, and not that they were in a particularly sticky situation, but they obviously knew how to ex- where to execute and when to execute. Two quick tries, and within the last fifteen twenty minutes minutes of the game against a team with their tails up, that's going to be difficult for anyone to come back from to try and push on. And the Ospreys said they they pushed and they pushed and they pushed, and I mean, and they they were pushing the, the lens of scrum around like nobody's business. And that was that was something to see. It was like this doesn't happen to Leinster. No, I think it I think Ospreys Ospreys have really developed a sort of identity in the last month, which is yeah. hard as nails oh, front five. <laughs> yeah. and we we are just gonna try and munch you, and that's that. And all we've got to be behind that is sensible. Yeah, well, well, yeah. And, and something else I was nice to see as well: Kieran Williams bunker busting again. I mean, if he's if he stuck his hand well and truly up, like for the way that that the media puts the Warren Ball mm. spin on Warren Gatlin style of coaching, he's really put himself up to play that kind of role. Well, let's uh, was, let's keep unreal. let's keep our powder dry <laughs> there, because uh, maybe a bit more on that in sections to come. And I guess finally, then uh, Bulls Dragons. 
I, I, you've looked like Bulls were home and dry after 20 minutes. And to be fair to Dragons, they came back. Um, but uh, they are still no wins in the last six games, which it doesn't feel right to say, actually. Because yeah. I, I don't know if maybe we overestimated them three weeks ago, but I, you'd have thought that their form was, you know, you like they were all games they could have nicked, I suppose. It's that thing where um, they all felt like wins, but haven't been wins. And yeah. whereas in the past, these were all just like games that, you know, that you would have known Dragons lost because they would have been smashed. So yeah, it's, it's transition and it's, and it's thinking you're there, but not quite. Um, but when you put in the group earlier, you know, they're zero from six. I was very surprised as well. And yeah, there is, there is a draw in there in South Africa. Um, but yeah, not to cross the line must be really hurting them now. And I guess this little European break we'll talk about later might be a chance for them to put that right. And you, can see, you can see I was there again on Friday, like in um, with the Dragons. And they was they were try you could see they were trying hard like and man for man they were going at each other like like you wouldn't believe and it's it's like that the last pass the last play the last that little thing that gets them over the line from being coming the competitive side to being a winning side yeah. and it's um you, you, all the will in the world I think is behind them it's just how how do you get how, how the coaching setup they get them from being that team to that team yeah 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 well it'll be interesting to see okay um i think unless there's anything else to add there boys we'll take a quick break before we move on to pivac picked and the rest of the show uh so yeah we'll catch you in a little bit cheers all right uh, welcome back everybody it's time for part four of four of pivac picked boys we're at the end by the end of this episode, we will have talked about 83, 82? 83, 83, I think it was. I think it however is, yeah. many, however <laughs> many, many players <laughs> Pivak picked. So let, let's get into it. Let's get this done. Uh, Mikey, you're kicking us off with Mr. Alex Cuthbert. Yeah, Alex Cuthbert, age 32, currently playing with the Ospreys, position is the wing, and has 55 caps to his name. Um, He seems a bit of a... <laughs> He doesn't seem the quickest winger of all wing, of, of wingers. I mean, mm. when you compare him to sort of other wingers who are playing at the moment, like Ashton Hewitt, Ryan Conbeer, um, Keelan Giles, Rio Dyer, uh, Owen Lane, Josh Adams was lightning yesterday. Yeah. Um, Even though he's There's notable up. differences there. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if if he's got Welsh legs in him anymore. I think but... he might be right. I I see him. I I feel like he had an excellent twenty thirteen, which was ten years yeah. ago, um, and he's been serviceable since then. Whenever I've seen him, he had a little spell yeah. away, and you know I don't I don't mind seeing him on the Wales team sheet, but I don't necessarily think he's he's a world beater anymore. Yeah, there's like, there's, there's quicker wingers, and I think you need like and, oh, we forget to mention Lewisry Summit as well, like yeah. you know. There's very few who can compare with pace in 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 rugby at the moment. Like, in, but um, yeah, it's solid enough. You lucky the Ospreys were able to, to to get him. Like, and um, I think uh, that's that's where he's playing his trade. What have you got to uh, add on Cuthbert there, Ed? Uh, 
I agree with a lot of what you guys have said. And the pace thing, I was thinking, yeah, he's definitely lost a few yards on him. But then watching him chase back uh, at Josh Adams for that, when Josh Adams ran in that crossfield kick against the Ospreys, mm. you know, he still had to turn turn and chase. And yeah. he wasn't far off. You know, he made contact. He made the tackle. I mean, it was a bit too late. But I don't know. He still had quite a bit of sharpness about him. And um I know we'll get I, I on think, to it later with the squads, yeah. but I, I I think if Gatland were to pick him, a lot of his impact would come from being first receiver. Like, you know, yeah, sort of bigger, heavier kind of. Yeah, you'd, you'd, be, you'd be you'd be asking to do a sort of Doctor Joe impression just about the other duties of an inside centre, I guess. Um, all right, so moving on to Ed, um, this is one of three players Pivak first used in this Fiji home match in the Ultimate Nationals. We have Chris Shinza. Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> uh, 20 years old, currently playing his trade in Exeter. Um, was a replacement lock in this game, but is now being played as a back rower, uh, much to my dismay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think... I think he's great. He's an athlete. Yeah, I mean- He's a monster. Huge, mm-hmm. huge future. Did anybody see his little chat of Sam Warburton this week on Twitter? Yeah. No. It was incredible. <laughs> uh, he dwarfed Sam. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sam's a big boy as well, mind, isn't he? Yeah. No, yeah. He's, he's, no, he's no small the, chap. Like. They're having a casual little chat, and you forget that Chris is still <laughs> 20 years old. And yeah, he, yeah. He's, so, he's so mature. Um, but he did mention he prefers playing six to lock. Which Ooh. is going to cause me a lot of hassle later on in our next segment, but we'll get <laughs> on to that. Yeah, I, I, I personally see him as a as a as a second rower with with that ability to be mobile around the park in that yeah. sort of six back rowers f- capacity as well. So I think he's. Yeah. I don't want to say he's going to be in that sort of like torgy frame because mm. I don't want to put him in that box because I don't think he is. Yeah, don't want him. Maybe it's more of a don't want him to be like, but uh, I certainly see him more as an out and out second rower. Yeah, um, but I think wherever his position is, I, I feel like he's probably going to have quite a long career if he can stay injury free. I mean, for a young man, he does seem to get injured quite a lot. Um, but he did put a run of game scale for Exeter finally, and he's I think proved that he is the real deal. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's pretty much nailed on that. Um... Seven shirt for Exeter. He seems to be almost first name on the team sheet. There's lots of good things coming out of Exeter about him. I'm glad he's only there for uni. Um, <laughs> I think if Cardiff can't sign him back when his uni is finished, without the ha- with with you know with the help of WRU behind them, like there's gonna it's gonna be ruckus, riots, Absolutely. riots down the yeah. tap embankment. <laughs> I can see it. I mean, X the uh, me want to take him on full time, like, but yeah. I was leaving them with with his cap situation. Well, that's yeah, the so, thing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I I think if he gets offered a contract, I I'd like to think he would end up back in Wales. Oh, uh, you'd hope so, like just for the for the for the benefit of, of of one of the regions. Absolutely. Okay, so that leaves me with um, the third and final new Pivac player for this game. Uh, we have Thomas Young. Uh, four caps, plays for Cardiff. Probably an out-and-out open-side flanker, really. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I like Thomas. Uh, and if you'd asked me a month ago, I would say he's nailed on for, for more Wales honours. I'm starting to question that now. Um, but on his day, I think he's pretty unplayable with a good six and a good eight around him. Yeah, I think he needs to needs to have contemporaries around him, like to be able to sort of bring the best out of him. Um, but watch, well, I don't watch, didn't watch much of the Premiership when he was playing for Wasp, like, but certainly much more of the URC, of course. Like, and seeing him play for Cardiff, like he he's doing really well. Like, and I think he's worthy of a of a of, of, of more caps. Yeah, he's. I think unfortunate that he's is a seven. We've got we've got so many <laughs> yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's what the problem has been since. Since he got his first cap, like you know, not not in not in Wales, not necessarily eligible, but then behind the other sevens, I mean, like there was Warburton, there was Tuprick, and now like you know he's competing with the likes of Tain, Tain Basham, and you know the the rest of the of the of the seven. Jack Jack Morgan can play seven. Tommy Raphael Raffle. is another seven. I mean, where does the where does the production line stop? And like you got Navidi who can also play seven as well. Yeah. I I yeah. I think this time around there's not so much depth as there was when Gatland was previously sort of in a position to pick him and I I do f- think he kind of recently anyway he's like looked like the sort of player that would suit what Gatland wants you know yeah definitely uh, I do uh, I, I, I well I can't say too much <laughs> but uh, I do feel like you know. I think his opportunity of playing for Wales is much greater. It's the, probably the best been for him, you know, since he came on the scene. Yeah, spotlights on him, and he's getting some good press, and he's got good stats. His tackle stats, his breakdown stats—they're incredible. Uh, it, it, I just, I just wonder, like, as an out and out seven, is he a squad player? You know? Yeah, he'll have his chance. I'm, I'm sure he'll have his chance. Okay, so um, moving on, Mikey, you've got Dewey Lake, whose first pivac use, and I think his yeah his first cap was Ireland away in the Six Nations in twenty twenty two. So you have Dewey Lake, twenty three with the Ospreys, playing hooker, with like I said eight caps. Um, he looks the real deal for me at hooker. He's an absolute nugget of a player. L- loves the physicality and loves getting stuck in. And his uh, his arrows aren't too bad either, and so is his scrummaging. So I think he's definitely pushing himself to the front, um, ahead of Bradley Roberts in the pecking order. I think, in terms, and I think probably even ahead of Ryan Elias as it stands. Um, he's obviously got to compete with Ken, but um, Ken's not getting any younger. Yeah, I I think I tend to agree. Like he just looks the part and. Yeah, you know that 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 isn't the be all and end all, and then he backs it up with his performances. I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Watching him uh, for on the Ospreys game um, last night, um, and you know, carrying into contact, it was like that second kind of crash ball twelve. Just like number two getting around, it was like oh, fair play to the lad. Like he's chucking yeah. himself about something tidy. Anything yeah, to add on, uh, Mister Lake Ed. No, it's all been said. Uh, yeah. I just, I just excited to see him play for Wales, basically. Okay, well that that moves uh, us on to his Ospreys compatriot Jack Morgan, Ed. So, uh, twenty-two years young, um, Ospreys open side flanker. Uh, he made his debut in the next game against Scotland. 
Um, uh, yeah, I I wasn't too fussed on him to be honest in the Six Nations. I think there was a lot, there was a lot too, too much pressure heaped on him. A lot of like um, praises being sung about him in the build up to the Six Nations, and I just I don't know if it got to him or if it just wasn't his you know moment, but um, kind of a bit. A missable, uh, a bit missable in the Six Nations, and then I think you're right. I, I remember, like, um, I didn't realize, and you know, what I'm like with like keeping up to date on who's who yeah. Welsh rugby. <laughs> I kind of didn't realize he got capped back in 2022 in the Six Nations, and then is I like I, I felt like in the autumn he was a debutant because like he went from kind of forgettable to outstanding. Yes, yeah, totally. Like yeah. that game against um, Australia, he was. Uh, immense like such so, such a good player and um you know you i just hope that sort of like it looks like whatever happened between scotland and ben has just worked wonders for him and if he just keeps that trajectory going you know he's going to be uh have a player for wales he's going to nail himself to a first to a starting jersey he's going to be one of them players who you're putting a 15 together and he's going to be right yeah that's the man for us like and um he seemed to be like the only man in the park in that Australia game who was trying to trying to make yards. Yeah. Um. I, one other thing that was like I've noticed about these this last sort of, you know, obviously we've got more players to go through, but like this last sort of group, group is the age of them. And yeah, I was I was looking at that as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of young 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 players coming through who are looking tasty, and yeah, it could be you know with 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 things looking forward now. Nice, good year under Gatland. Nice World Cup to get them that experience. You know, whatever happens in the World Cup happens. But then looking forward to uh, Australia, it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the kind of profile I was looking at. Sort of like this, I've got to be asked. Dewey Lake, Sam Wainwright, Dame Lacker, Joe Hawkins, twenty between the ages of twenty and twenty-four. Like yeah. you know, get them four or five years of caps. That's a lot of rugby. That's what's that sort of ten games this a season. That's some of them maybe maybe turn over fifty caps by the end of it. Like yeah, and um, you know that's a lot of rugby then, but and, and hopefully peaking at the right time. Yeah, yeah. So we then went on a three match run with no new players. Three. Um, yeah, England, France, and Italy in the Six Nations. But unlike the twenty twenty one tournament where we had some success with consistency. Wasn't the case here, and we <laughs> lost all three of those. Uh, our, yeah, our only win was was uh, Scotland. Incredible. Um, okay, so that gives me another back rower. Tommy Revel came on. Uh, this was the South Africa summer tour now, so the first test. Uh, Tommy started as an open side flanker. Uh, now has four caps. He's playing at Leicester. Uh, and again, like I mean, he's just another one of these back row players that seem to be crawling out of the woodwork year after year after year. And yeah. quite frankly, I'm sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> the line is insane. Absolutely it's just, insane. It's got to the point where we're going to need like a top Trump's deck to just pick a back row for Wales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine sort of like Gatland and Stridgen in three. Yeah. All with cards like, right, who yeah. you got? Yeah. Let's see the tackles. Who you got tackles? Bang! Got him. Yeah. Like it's got it's got the point now where like I couldn't tell you the relative benefits and downsides of each of these individuals anymore. But the, yeah, I think sometimes that's a that's a place you want to be though. Yeah. With with, with you know, if they're all top of the game or doing 
similar things, then it's just like you, you're really splitting hairs and looking at the minutiae of, of the individual to yeah. to see who was going to get the nod. And I, th- I think uh, injuries put the brakes on his season a little bit. Uh, I, I think he's available for the Six Nations, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yeah, I, I believe but he I, is, yeah. But I, I don't think he was there for the autumn. Um so yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a lot more to say. I, I'm, I'm sure we'll get more caps. It's just such a packed field. It's a question of how many. He's well, reviewing re- re- Leicester as well, like in it. So yeah. Well, yeah, he's so good that uh, Borthwick's son wanted him, him to pick him for yeah. Uh, England. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I've got to give him a shout out as well because Mr. and Mrs. Raffle absolutely knew what they were doing when they named him Tom. Yeah, he's, he's, they, they knew him. They must have known him like Tom Revel. Like, there's, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tedious thing, girl, like, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. They, they, they're only from you down the road. The South Wales Valleys and not, no. not know yeah. what you're doing with that name. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was coming along. <laughs> that was a long way off. All right, so next up, Mikey, uh, you've got Sam Wainwright, who came on, I think, yeah, in the in the second test, the win against South Africa. Yeah, Sam Wainwright, uh, 24, currently playing for the Scarlets after a recent move from uh, Saracens and uh, got the Saracens via RGC up in North Wales, uh, playing tight head and currently has four caps. Um, I'm not too sure you. Mm, yeah, uh, I I don't see many Scarlets fans giving him rave reviews. I think they I think no. mild disappointment is. Yeah, and I, I, when he signed with the Scarlets first, it took me a bit by surprise. Granted, he's got to be in Wales with his with the calf situation as it, as it is, um, and I'm not 100 percent sure if it was an issue with injuries of the Scarlets at the time, and it was kind of a a, a jump maybe I don't know like, but. Um, they've got Will Griff John, uh, Captain International, Javan Sebastian, Captain Scottish International, um, Harry O'Connor was involved with Wales, and now Sam Wainwright uh, with with Caps as well. There's four tight heads. I mean, don't forget Phil Price. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think look, looking at their squad before they, they've got ten ten props. I mean, that doesn't to me doesn't make sense. And you know, if they got to try and push each other, fine. But like. Which when you're going to keep in form? Yeah, that, that that does seem excessive, and I, I, I'm sure injuries have played a part there. But you're right. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of props on Scarlet's books. It was a real baptism um, sort of, of fire for him uh, in South Africa because, like, he was just there purely by default of being <laughs> the only available professional tight end yeah. of Welsh descendancy that the Pivac could could physically pick and. You know his inexperience was showing up in South Africa, but I thought he held his head, held his, held himself well there. Um, but yeah, like not quite and, seen anything from him since. No, and, and he hadn't played a lot of games for Saracens, a lot of top flight games. I think he's played mm. in Premiership Cup games, and it's, I think it's, it's a, taken as a sort of a, a development kind of tournament in in that sense in England. I, I think I'm, I'm not 100% sure, mind, but um, I think he'd had more caps than meaningful starts for Saracens, and he's not necessarily getting the nod for the Scarlets either, and I think to have an inclusion in the Wales squad will be asking a lot. I yeah. mean, there's, there's probably other tight heads available to Wales. Um, maybe Dylan Lewis will be fit yeah. by then. Yeah. 
Okay, so moving on then. Uh, no new players in the third test, uh, which then takes us up to the Autumn Internationals. And in the New Zealand match, the 55-23 out-of-window loss. No, wait, was this out-of-window? No, it was the Australia game that was out-of-window. My apologies. In the So all of our players were available to us. And in this 55-23 loss, we capped Sam Costello and Rio Dyer for the first time. So Ed, uh, would you like to... Tell us about Sam Costello. Yeah, another one of the youngsters coming through, only 21. Um, three caps to his name, Scarlet's uh, fly half. Uh, I actually played touch rugby against Sam before. Did you know? I did, yeah. Uh, he was only about, I don't know, 15 or 16 at the time. and Such uh, as last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just 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 fun. Like, because I, I remember at the time he's he was like a, the fr- a friend a friend of a son of a person I know from uh, work, and he was saying, "Oh, he's he's shit off he is, you know, he's he's gonna go places." Like, and you you, know, you hear that a lot when you're around Wales. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was yeah. just gonna say, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, look at him, he's good, he's gonna be something big, yeah, yeah like, but yeah, um, there's one of them in every club, by. But yeah, not long after that, then you know, he 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 was, I think he was. He was part of like the Ospreys Academy setup, and then next thing I know, he's signing for Leicester, and uh, you know he, he comes through the ranks at Leicester, and now he's down at Scarlets, and you're like, oh, actually, you know, <laughs> it's, it's own story that's come true. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like him. I think he does seem to blow hot and cold though, uh, and I find him a bit in the Jared Evans mold, where I think he's got to have a lot of the right uh, circumstances. Uh, to 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 be playing well, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like think the right. It's got to be the right environment. Of, he is. Of... There are basically two fly halves, aren't there? There's the sensible, dependable Stephen Jones, Dan Bigger, <laughs> and there's the will do something incredible, but you do have to watch the interception pass and the being isolated. Jared Evans, Sam Costello's of this world. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And, and some, sometimes, like, like, go on, Mikey. No, go on. No, no, go on. Sorry, sorry. So, sometimes they're handy to have as game changers on the bench, uh, but then you leave yourself exposed to early injuries and so on. Uh, and yeah, sometimes you can build a game around them, like Scotland have done with Finn Russell. Sometimes, yeah. The, the Maverick. The, the phrase Maverick comes to mind, like particularly in the, when we consider sort of like um, like Finn Russell and um, James Hook as well. I thought James O'Connor was probably the best ten who was to never play at ten. That, that Wales had available to him. He, he clearly could play with his head up and sort of see what was on. And I think sometimes that's the way forward. But I think sometimes you you need to be have that sort of element of of, of being a maverick at ten because you wouldn't have so much impact on the game. It's not just a kicking and passing role. It's I mean, weird to me back in that United Neil Jenkins. It was just a kicking and passing role. Yeah, it is weird to me that. The Mavericks of this world can't also have just a little sensible streak in them because, you know, the, the ability to switch yeah. on the the Maverickness, you know, cu- coupled with just doing the the game plan for a bit, like surely that can't be that difficult to just tune out the Maverick in you sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's probably a bit to do with composure and vision. Like in a, you know, yeah. you've got a sort of an ability to see right. Okay, there's something on. Let's try something. Or, like, okay, we've got to go through the phases now. We've got to go through the motions. We've got to send the 12 up or send the back rower up. Or, 
maybe try and get it to 13 and let 13 try and bring the wingers into the game or something yeah. like but there's a like I said there's a time and a place like yeah, yeah. okay uh, so that gives us um Rio Dyer then uh Rio uh three Wales caps plays on the wing for Dragons uh, I like Rio Dyer I think he yeah. is one of those rare exciting wingers who actually brought his regional form to the international game straight away and yep. he does. He has played in a struggling regional side, and he has shone enough to get international yep. call-ups out of the blue. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the first game I saw him play, and yeah, he because I think he scored in that New Zealand game, didn't he? Yeah. I, and uh, yeah, there was he, a lovely backs move, to be fair. Yeah, and he just looked so assured. Uh, mm. Yeah, I think if he stays fit, he's he's got a good future. I think. I think watching him play against uh, for the drive play for the Dragons against Munster a few uh, months uh, month uh, six weeks ago maybe when uh, he was able to sort of like get between Malachi Fekitoa and uh, Peter Romani. I mean, there's two season internationals there and one with Lions caps, and you don't make MP look like a mugs for nothing. No, no. I wonder was... if Adams and Zamet are fit at the same time. Does uh, Dyer usurp either of those? Mm, I no one of them. I think really, I I I'm kind of favouring Adams at fullback. I think there's room for three of them. Interesting. Uh, if if Liam if Liam's fit, I think you stick with that back three of Adams, Sammet, and 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 me and Williams. But if Dyer's on the bench or in the team, like you don't drop Dyer, someone of that talent. No, I think the difficulty yeah. with him being. Uh, a winger and nothing else is that it's tricky to put just a winger on a 23 unless you've got cover for other positions in your starting 15. Which, which is why in that sense, I think, like, Josh Adams can do a job at fullback. He did it for the Lions, he did it for Wales the other day. And yeah. I think with Liam in the position he is, in his time of life as he is, I'm not saying this time for him to start winding down, but he can't cover the back three. Yes. No, you're right. You're right. It's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, moving on then. No new players against Argentina in the autumn. The only game we won that autumn, which brings us on to the Georgia game. Remember the Georgia game? Uh, uh, I've got a complete blank of that day in my memory. Yeah. Uh, and we used... Well, I say used... There's a technicality here. Uh, three new players were picked in the match day 23. Only two of them got onto the pitch. But we are going to talk about the unused sub. And imagine being a Scarlet and an unused oh. sub in a Wayne Pivak team. <laughs> yeah. So, Mikey, would you do this, your honours, of tell us about yeah. Dane Blacker's non-use by Pivak, please? <laughs> Dane Blacker, 24 with the Scarlets has already been alluded to scrum off already been alluded to and uh, the only unused sub on that day which eventually ends up in being zero caps um, you don't do it you you don't no. you, <laughs> in, in the, in, with the game as it was it was yeah. like I mean Gatland could, uh, Pivak couldn't do any worse really no, like the, the one time Pivak didn't pick <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> what, what, a, like, what a contradiction to the uh, to, I, I know, to the segment. Like, but imagine, like you've seen eighty players go before you, and yeah. he's never he's never <laughs> left anyone. Yeah, 
He's like, oh, I know him from my days in the Scarlets. You know, he's he's bound to put me on because yeah. yeah, I do you know what I, I I I was watching the scrum off battle yesterday, and Blacker was very good at being Dane yeah. Blacker. He was snipey and fast and nippy. And Gatland was there, and I, I, I think he stood out more than Thomas Williams. That's not to say he's necessarily better, because sometimes the better things no. at Scrum Half are the stable things, but yeah. he stood out. Yeah, I think um, he's he's definitely got that that Scrum Half fitness, Scrum Half ability in him to be able to go, and I think that's what we look for in a Scrum Half. He's someone yeah. who can service well and someone who can nip well, a bit yeah. like Gareth Davis and Reese Webb in their pomp. I was about um, to say that try yesterday was straight out of the Gareth Davis book of nobody's oh looking. Yeah, got to score a try. You got to say Gareth Davis has had an impact, an impact on on his ability to be able to snipe and and, and do and do Gareth Davis things. Like and um, yeah. it's, it's encouraging to see that that's that there's a scrum half at Wales is disposable who can do that. Yeah. All right. So. Um, this game also saw the introduction of David Jenkins to international rugby ad. Uh, yeah. Uh, 20 years old, one's cap, currently at Exeter also. Uh, plays his trade on the second row. Um, exciting. Was he the yeah. youngest ever captain of a, of a Gallagher Premiership side or whatever the Premiership's called now? I believe that's the start, yeah. yeah. He's he's an exciting young man, right, Mikey? He looks the part, doesn't he? Like he's um he's got all the attributes and um didn't he get it stuck into the South Guns the other day with uh, a pinch and a bit of water? <laughs> <laughs> that, and that's, that was... take, that's a ballsy that's a ballsy move, let's be honest. Getting trying to pinch some South African water in a albeit an under twenties game. I mean, um I don't think he's pinching there, but that's the best bottle. Um, it's the sort of thing international. It, is the sort of thing I could imagine Bradley Davis doing at some point. <laughs> just that sort of cheeky little yeah. shit house. Um, just <laughs> yeah. I think Bradley Davis have got more behind him to back it up, though. I think I, I just wish I could have seen the sort of dawning realization on the on the Springboks' faces. As they were, Wait a minute, that's not one of us. <laughs> <Hang on>. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, he's um. He's going to get more caps than he, but um, oh, I, I don't watch a lot. Of, I don't. I don't look well, watch a lot of the Premiership, like. But um, I think he's probably another one who needs to come back to Wales at some point. He's, um, I think, one hundred percent a Gatland player. Gatland's oh, yeah. going to do things with David Jenkins. I'm sure of it. So it gets a bit worse for Dane Black about you because not only was he a Scarlet who got picked but not used in this game, but it coincided with the use finally of Josh McLeod. <laughs> Uh, by Wayne Pivak. He's been waiting years to unleash McLeod and he had his chance here. Uh, so yeah, two, the two caps, Scarlet's player, number eight. Uh, I don't see it myself, Josh McLeod. No. Before you got injured, he was turning heads, but he was turning heads in the same jersey that Tupric was. Yeah. That um, other, other open sides were in the game as well. So, well, this is it. I mean, down the pecking order, and they played him at eight. Yeah, and I—that's I, something I didn't understand. And I've never seen him play eight, right? No. And then Pivak comes on uh, the interviews on uh, through the media and says, "Yeah, we know we can play eight. Uh, <laughs> do we? <laughs> well, we know we can pick him there. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, that's a bit of the difference. Like, you know, you can fill a jersey, but can he? Can I mean, he carry like a Falatau, like a Navidi, off, yeah, off, off eight? I, 
and don't get me wrong, this is a professional athlete we're talking about who's going to be a much better rugby player than anybody we've ever met. But yeah, internationally, it was either too late or he, he never had it or Pivak played him in the wrong position, but didn't yeah. show up particularly well for Wales, I thought. It's a little bit of everything you said, Davies, I think. You know, yeah. Adding to sort of joining the dots yeah. and um, making it not fit too well for him. Yeah. Well, we're about to go over the line then. Uh, Mikey, you're going to do us the honours. Uh, it was the Australia home game that finally did it for Pivak. Uh, and we're talking about Joe Hawkins, the final player that Pivak picked. Pri- privileged to be taking us over the line, boys. Uh, yeah, Joe Hawkins, 20 years old, uh, playing for the Ospreys centre with the uh, with one cap. Definitely one for the future. He looked um, solid enough there. Um, he really did. Came in instead of... Um, uh, who'd been... Nick Tompkins would be playing 12 up to that point. And um, he didn't do himself any harm whatsoever. Yeah. I, I solid there in the 12 jersey. Um, for the first half, when we were playing quite well, Wales were attacking towards uh, me and Ed. We were, we were there. And you could see him in the line, just being in the right place, throwing the right yeah, passes, yeah. being a presence. And yeah. Yeah, if, you can, if you can carry that on... Um, I think he's going to be a significant player for Wales. I admit, I didn't know a lot about him in the lead-up no, to that same. game, but um, I was well impressed. Like I thought, I thought I just, I didn't. I guess I was just not expecting much because I was just fed up a pivot by that point. And <laughs> um, yeah, but being there and watching his game, like yeah, he was very impressive and definitely uh, went for the future. Yeah. All right, boys. Go on, sorry, Mikey. Go on. No, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah, carry on. I was about, well, I was about to move us on. So if you, if you have got something to add, you can. No, uh... no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, let's, uh, let's kick on. Yeah. All right, well, that's <laughs> it. That is uh, all of the players that Wayne Pivak used. So we're just going to crunch the numbers a little bit. Uh, so there was 10 games before he didn't pick anybody new. Uh, that was 82 players in 34 games. Twenty. <sighs> 23 of those games involved new players and just 11 didn't. So it's, it's a mess, isn't it? Hugely. Yeah, from top to bottom, yeah. start to finish. I mean, he ah. did say at the start, like one of his points was to sort of like go out looking for new talent. Like, but yeah, you can look for new talent, keep an eye on them. You haven't got to cap them for the sake of capping them. <laughs> it's like we were say the other day, we about sort of like, you know, capping them for that very reason, just to sort of tie them to Wales. And yeah. that does nothing for their careers going forward. Like, I mean, they could have, opportun- have opportunities with other countries. And now, as it stands, they've got to take that three-year stand down if yeah. they're unfortunate enough not to be able to play for Wales again. Yeah. Well, like Josh, Josh McLeod, wasn't he, like, uh, eligible for, like, uh, Monaco or something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. He? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was born in Monaco. Was, <laughs> no, I think he was born. He was born in Monaco, I think. Pivac's ruined that opportunity for him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <clears throat> So it's what, Damn it all. <laughs> so we, we thought it'd be a little bit fun as well at this point, just to rattle through the most and least picked 23s. So what I've done here is I've taken some liberties, but I've gone through the most used PIVAC players and the least used PIVAC players and just put a composite team together. So have a listen to this most used 23. I think it sounds quite strong. So your back three, Liam Williams, Louis Rees-Samit and uh, Josh Adams. Your centres then are George North and Nick Tompkins. And then your halfbacks are Thomas Williams and Dan Bigger. 
Now, on its day, that's a pretty good backline. Yeah, and they they've all got Not between they've all got between eighteen and twenty five pivac uses there. Uh, then your forwards, a front row of Wynn Jones, Ryan Elias, and Dylan Lewis, all of whom got twenty four pivac uses, which surprises me. Yeah, uh, your boiler house then, Will Rollins and Alan Wynn. And a back row of Wainwright, Tipperick, and Falato, which is pretty well balanced, I think. Yeah. So coming off the bench then, <laughs> I've, I've gone deep on this. You've got Ken Owens, <laughs> Gareth Thomas, and Thomas Francis. This, you know, not a bad little bomb squad. Uh, Adam Beard covering Locke. Ross Moriarty covering the back three. And Gareth Davis, Callum Sheedy, and Jonathan Davis covering the backs there. Now let's compare that to the least picked 23. Uh, so we've got a back three of Reese Patchell, Rio Dyer, and Tom Rogers. Uh, are they doing a job? No. Well, one of them is. <laughs> yeah, De- definitely. I've uh, I've taken some liberties here, but his least picked centre partnership is Joe Hawkins, and I've put Owen Lane at thirteen because I could. <laughs> I, sure, I, yes. I, I did a pivac and I picked somebody where they don't really play. And then his half-back partnership is Dane Blacker and Johan Lloyd, which I would pay money to watch. Just yeah, not if I they think that would be exciting. Yeah, <laughs> just not if they were playing for my team. <laughs> yeah, I'd go to Bristol and watch that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so his least picked front row then, that would be Rob Evans, Kirby Myhill, and Will Griff-John. Uh, you've got quite a mismatch in the boiler house of Matthew Screech and David Jenkins, both at opposite ends of their careers there. Really. Yeah. Mm. And then a back row of Ollie Griffiths, Thomas Young, and Josh McLeod. The flankers, they look good, don't they? I mean, we, yeah. I mean, yeah. Ollie Griffiths has been plagued by injuries, like, but Tom Young is doing is doing a job, like we alluded to earlier. This is a club-tastic 15, isn't it? Um, you know, you, you can see a region lining up with this 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, imagine yeah. that. And, uh, okay, on, on the bench then, we've got Sam Parry, Rodri Jones, and Sam Wainwright. I've put Josh Turnbull covering the second row, Shingler covering the back row, although those two are interchangeable, I guess. And then uh, the backs, Lloyd Williams, Sam Davis, and Ben Thomas. So I don't know, what, what do you reckon? All right, sorry, everybody. We just had a little uh, gremlin in the system. But as I was saying, Ed and Mikey, I think that that most used 23 is probably going to batter the least used 23. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, think so quite, quite comprehensively. Yeah, um, there's, there's probably some up-and-comers in that, that least-used 23 that all, you know, would be pushing for a place in the most. But, God, there's some, there's some players in that least-used 23 I think were lucky to get as many caps as they did. Yeah, I think probably the only bit of parity there is probably the flankers. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And, 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 and that's, maybe with, and apologies, and Rio Dyer as well. Um, going up against either Josh Adams or Zamet, wherever he, will find that he would find himself. Yeah. I think, yeah, maybe Owen Lame given a bit, bit, bit more and Joey Hawkins a bit more as well. Like, But uh, maybe the rest is um, maybe yeah. not looking too clever. Yeah. All righty then. Um, so with that done, shall we do our predictions for Europe Block 2? Is it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it? I don't know. Um, so I think we'll do these in order that they kick off, which will be, well, we're going to look at Dragons first, then Scarlets, then Ospreys, then Cardiff. Uh, Dragons have Poe and Lions. Um, away to Poe, home to Lions. What, what were our thoughts here? Second place. Second uh, best. 
Not by a lot, though. I don't think they'll win against Poe. Um, oh, before this period, I would have said a win to the Lions at home, but now I'm just struggling yeah. to see anything but two losses there. So I've got some uh, some data here. Uh, Lions a two from six, Poe a one from six, and Dragons a zero from six. Um, Poe turned Dragons over in Newport. They're 12 out of 14 in the top 14, and four from eight in Pool B. So... I think of the two, I'd probably fancy Poe to be Dragons more than I fancy Lions to be Dragons. Mm. And the old adage is, it's on the day, isn't it? Who fares better on the... Which yeah. is... It's not fair to say, really, because yeah. it does not a true reflection on either team. But um, given given the fact that, like, you know, Poe have already beaten the Dragons in Newport, yeah. Poe having to travel away... And albeit bringing the Lions over to Newport, we seen what the Bulls did on Friday, and yeah, yeah, I I feel like um, Die did speak after the Bulls game. Die Flanagan did speak after the Bulls game to say that you know a lot of his players have had a lot of games and a yeah you know against some strong opposition. So I'm wondering if actually he might might rest some boys against Paul. There was a few, from from what I understand, there was a few rested against uh, the Bulls on Friday to make sure they were fit enough for Europe. And oh, okay. Two boys got got two two boys. I think it's um, Rodri Williams and Angus O'Brien have gone down with concussion injury, so they're carrying out. Um, I think they're being stood down there um, for the players' safety, and uh, that's a, that's a decision. I think uh, you're in dying um, the comments after the game. Saying he's taken the decision on that, and um, I think that's the right thing to do with yeah. the players. Um, although you know they pass their concussion protocols, you know we, nobody really not they're not there they're not met doctors and medical professionals enough to know yeah. um, what's going on yeah. inside. So um, well done there, die for taking the players' health and well-being into consideration. Um, rugby certainly is their life is certainly bigger than rugby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So so Mikey, if pushed, are dragons going to beat Poe? Nope. And are they going to beat Lions? Nope. <laughs> okay. Ed, Ed, what are you saying there? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, two losses uh, at the moment. I'm going to go an away loss and a home win. Oh. I mm. think I think it clicks for them against the Lions. They are 12th in the URC. Uh, I hope so. I really and, do. And they drew in South Africa with Dragons. They do a win then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 fingers crossed then for the for the for the dragons. Obviously, like in, uh, you'd l- love to see them get a win. Like, awesome. Okay, moving on. Uh, we've got Scarlets at home to Cheetahs, and then away to Bayonne. Now then, Scarlets a bit, bit of a form team here. They're four from six. Um, Cheetahs. There's no data available because I think they only play in this uh, Challenge Cup at the moment. And Bayon are two from six, but that includes a win over Toulon. Oh, if if Scarlets can win that first game, then they may carry some fo- carry that on. Then when they play away, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. They will definitely be cheaters in Flanelli, and 
Bayon, what are they? Sixths in the top 14. Ooh. And it's in Bayon as well, isn't it? I don't uh, think we'll come out of that life. A win and a loss for me. Uh, Ed, what about yeah. you? Um, oh, it's tough. It's tough because they're on such a run at the moment. They're going to be buoyed by the festive period. Yeah. I think they'll have a pretty convincing win against the Cheetahs. Yeah. And I think with that, I reckon their tails will be up and I reckon they'll do bay on. I'm going for two wins. A win and a win. Mikey, what about you? Uh, I don't know. Um, if if they win the first one, I think they'll win the second one. Okay. But it all depends on the first one. But if it was just judging by the second one, I don't think they're going to beat more. They're going to beat. Uh, they're going to win in France. They're not going to win in France. Uh, so I, I feel like they, they. So we're saying they're going to be cheaters, or that they're not going to be cheaters. Oh, probably. I think you know, given the fact that cheaters are only playing in this competition. Yeah. Then I think yeah they'll probably take the spoils over the cheaters and probably fall foul in France. Okay. Okay. So you and I agree on that one. Right. All right, so that moves us over to the Champions Cup, where Ospreys are home to Montpellier, easy, and away to Leicester. Now, just just to give you some form context here, uh, all of these teams are free from six. Ospreys are 13th in the URC. They're 7th out of 12th in Pool B of the Champions Cup. Uh, Montpellier are 8 out of 14 in the top 14, and... Ninth out of 12 in Pool B. Leicester, a seventh in the Prem, so nowhere near the form they were last year. And they're third, though, in the Champions Cup Pool B, but they did just get hammered away to Newcastle. So I'm going to put my neck on the line here, and I'm predicting two Ospreys wins. I'd agree with that. Given, <laughs> given the fact that how they, how they perform at the minute. They fared well against Leinster, and they're on a pretty decent run at the minute. Yeah, and you know Leicester on a bad run, and you no. know, well, uh, yeah. Okay, Ed, how about you? How do you see those who go in? Uh, <sighs> um, I think they'll. Oh. <laughs> I know you think. I know you're thinking. Yeah, I, I think I think they'll do Montpellier at home. Um, I don't know. It's difficult with Leicester. You know they've lost that mm. fourth with effect now. So yeah, are they exactly. going to be instantaneous? Like a bit transitional. Uh, yeah. Has he got any impact left there? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I'll go two wins as well. Two wins. Wow. We are such like fair weather predictors. Like we basically predict what has just happened. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we, we predict that things will stay the same forever. <laughs> All right, uh, and Cardiff. Then we've got Newcastle in Cardiff on Sunday, and then we're away to breathe the following weekend. Now, Newcastle did just hammer Leicester, as we've spoken about, but they are languishing a tenth in Pool A. And they are eighth out of eleven in the Premiership. I don't see them going loaded uh, for this game. And but then at the same time, I feel like this is 
die is going to want to give some players a rest now because it's been a brutal few weeks. I, I, I'm not sure. I think you'll fancy him, see, like they did up in up in Newcastle. Mm. The, I, the, a chance to reset kind of thing with a win. Potentially. Um, I think I'm going a scrappy win with some of the wider squad involved. How, how about you, Mikey and Ed? What are we saying there? I think... Um... Yeah, I think I think uh, the majority like core group. I think he's going to pick some academy boys there for this game because I like you will say I don't think Newcastle. They, you know, they're they're bottom in pool A. They're not going to get out of it. Why? Why would you risk the injury of players you need for the league? So I can see us winning that one, and then taking a a weakened squad over to breathe. Knowing okay. that we've qualified from the pools, yeah, uh, and probably a loss then out in Breve. Yeah, I think I can agree there. I mean, if you look at Breve, they've beaten Clermont, Lyon, and Toulon in recent history. Now they are tenth, seventh, and ninth in the top fourteen respectively. But in France, yeah, I, I think as you say, we might not go fully loaded there. Uh, so yeah, Mikey. Just finally, then with you, uh, how, how do you see those two going? Yeah, I think um, much in the same. I think they'll probably take the spoils over Newcastle in Cardiff, and then um, maybe slip up in um, awesome Pau. So uh, we are agreed on quite a lot of these fixtures. Actually, we all think the Ospreys are going to grand slam it. Uh, <laughs> we think one from two for Cardiff, and uh, we think. Yeah, well, we're quite similar across the board there. All right, so I think that's Europe wrapped up, which brings us on to the final part of today's show, which is our predictions for Gatlin's first, well, second first Six Nations squad. Uh, Should we do the back three first, if I kick off and you boys can tell me where you differ? Oh, before we do that, let's reveal some of the cards we've kept close to our chest. My squad looks like this. 15 Ospreys, 7 Scarlets, 6 from Cardiff, 3 from Dragons, and 4 non-Welsh-based players. Uh, Ed, yours looks a little bit different from that. Uh, Yeah, I've gone 10 Cardiff, 14 Ospreys, uh, 3 apiece Scarlets and Dragons, and then 5 non-Welsh-based players. And what about you, Mikey? I got 14 Ospreys. Eight from Cardiff. Thank you. <laughs> four from the Dragons, five from the Scarlets, and four from outside of Wales. Awesome. All right, let's plunge straight into this infinity pool then. So my back three looks like this. Josh Adams, Louis Rees-Amit, Rio Dyer, Lee Halfpenny, and Liam Williams. Does, mm. Has anybody got anything different there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go to Ed first then. Uh I've got Cuthbert instead of Halfpenny. Ooh, interesting. And I've got Giles, and I've got Giles instead of Halfpenny. Uh, Keelan Giles. Interesting. Uh, so you boys can see Gatland ignoring Lee Halfpenny's place kicking and his out-and-out full-backness. I, I still don't see it. <laughs> I, I, that, this, this was one of the ones I deliberated over a lot longer than anything else. Because um, I think... If if Lee Halfpenny had played more, had had more game time, I think he's in. Yeah, but but it's it's because he hasn't, 
and how can you justify... Right, he's got credit in the bank, but I'm not sure if that's justifiable with the other players who've been playing a bit more. Liam Williams haven't played much more rugby mind. No, no. And he uh, got smacked in the face yesterday, so that'll be... Uh... Yeah. That could be a thing. Okay, uh, so let's let's caveat all of these with injuries allowing. Uh, so my four centres, I'm going to surprise people here, I think. I've got Grady, Hawkins, Kieran Williams, and George North. Oh. Mikey, how does that compare to yours? Um, <laughs> I, had, I did have Mason Grady at the start but uh, as well, but um, usurped then. Uh, I think um, I've gone with Kieran Williams... Owen Watkin, Jonathan Davis, and George North. Okay, gone for experience. Mm. Uh, I'm actually the same as you, but I was close. I was deliberating a lot between these two, uh, uh, between Joe Hawkins and Owen Watkin. And the main reason I went with Watkin is just for the experience, because if I'd gone with Hawkins, that's three very green centres then. And I think... Watkins yeah. just is yeah. that youth and uh, you know experience to the potential very exciting future we have a, of a centre partnership in Wales. Yeah, I I, I think Gatlin's going to go. I haven't got time to see if these old dogs have still got it. I've got I've got to rely on youth. Yeah, like, yeah, and if any of these old guys get injured, I don't want to be bringing the youth in five mm. matches down the line. If, you know, I, if there's an injury to one of the young guys, I know the older guys can come in and do it. I, I think it's going to go, I I think it's going to be that way around myself. Yeah, uh, that was my thought I process for this. I think it depends if this is a development Six Nations or is it a Six Nations to prep for the World Cup? I think it's both. Yeah. Okay, halfbacks. Uh, let, let's start with the fly halves. Um, I suspect, yeah, I mean, I, I doubt anybody else has gone this way. I'm going Dan Bigger, Reese Patchell, and Owen Williams. I went, I'm, going f- uh, I'm going three sensible Gatland fly halves. <laughs> I've gone for two sensibles and a wild card, so you're going Owen Williams as well, but I went with Jared Evans. Okay, Mikey? I went Bigger, Priestland, and Costello. Oh, you're picking Priestland. Oh, hello. Yeah. Mm, I, um, uh, Patrick had a real good game yesterday, but um, I think Priestland's out of hand kicking is a bit more succinct. And if you're going to put two tens in it, who can kick out of hand like bigger and Priestland, they are the two match tens. Yeah, You're gonna get it's not necessarily it's, it's a bit of a like for like when you bring take one on you bring one off kind of thing. Yeah, interesting. I I'm really excited to see where he does a scrum off because I agonised for ages over this. I think whatever three out of the eighty four he picks, <laughs> it, it's it's much of a muchness in it. But I, I've gone Thomas Williams, Reese Webb, and Dean Blacker. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Wow. <laughs> All right, so that's doomed to be wrong. Okay, <laughs> absolutely. Um, okay, let's move on to the forwards then. Uh, so my loose heads, I've got Reese Carey, Gareth Thomas, and Nicky Smith. Same. Uh, yeah, same. I was trying to wow. do Reese Carey times three, but... Uh... <laughs> I did think he was starting to look a bit tired, yes. I think we've asked him to crash up too much ball. Well, don't forget, I, I, he's, like, yeah. he's played like... Two full yeah. games almost hasn't he recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, he's, he's, uh, 
He's really gone all in. Um, okay, hookers then. I've gone Ken Owens, Debbie Lake, and Ryan Elias. Oh, I've gone Bradley Roberts over Elias. Have you? Uh, same here, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Other than okay. that, Ken Owens and Lake as well. Like, But um, yeah. I think watching Bradley Roberts on Friday night, he was... Um, he was good. Every... Yeah, he was very good. I think he's he's getting around the park. He's like a, he's almost like a Ken 2.0. Yeah, he's like a little pocket rocket, and I think mm, yeah, if you're bringing him off the bench, it's going to add a bit of um, fire to yeah. the team. But his lineups are good as well. Mm, yeah. Okay, uh, tight ads. I'm work. I've worked the assumption that Dylan Lewis isn't going to make it just because he hasn't played any rugby yet. Um, I've gone Tom Francis, Will Griff, John, and I, I've had to go Sam Wainwright. I mean, I didn't know what else to do really. <laughs> I, I went with Dylan. Yeah. Given the fact that you know he's. Gatland has been known to pick players who are not 100 percent to take them with, like Coriel in the World Cup. Mm. So uh, I I think he's gonna stick with Dylan purely on the basis that probably one of the more experienced front rowers and um like Leon Brown's not fit, he's been out since last September. Yeah. And um I'm not sure if Sam Wainwright is a fit yet. Is a is a is a, is a fit for the Gatland fifteen yet? I think you're right. Well, how about this for left field? I've gone Kieran Azarati. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're sticking Azarati in the mix, let's get Will, Will Will Davis King in the mix and all, is it? When he came on uh, against the Ospreys, I was very impressed with him. You are. He was good. He looks like he's leaned up a little bit yeah. as well, which is nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I, I don't see it myself. But who knows? He's he's done funnier things in the past. Okay, locks. Uh, so one, two, three, four, five, five locks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've gone beard, Alan Wynn. I am Denard over Alan Wynn, but I went with him in the end. Reese Davis, Dav Jenkins, and Ben Carter. So I've got sure. Alan Wynn, beard, and Dav Jenkins. I've gone with Junza being picked as a lock just because we're so yeah. stacked in the back row. Okay. Mm. I think I think he might look at picking him at a lock to play him there, mm. but tell him to utilize his time on the pitch as a back rower. I sense. felt I felt the exact same way until his interview with Sam yesterday. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> but, I don't know. It's one of those ones where I think he might get picked as a lock, but be told to play like a six or a seven. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's going to be the I case. Did, I did also go with Seb as my other choice. Interesting. Oh, okay. He's very well. His hands are great. He's a big, big bloke, and uh, I'm probably being a bit biased just because I'm a Cardiff fan. <laughs> so g- give me your give me your list of locks again. So Alan Wynn, Adam Beard. Uh, Christian Zer, Dav Jenkins, and Seb Davis. So no place for Reese Davis or Ben Carter for you. This is this is where I come a little bit different. Go on, Mikey. This is uh, Alan Wynn, Adam Beard, Reese Davis, Christian Zer, and uh, David Jenkins. Oh, okay. I think Reese Davis deserves it. He's yeah. been outstanding for the Ospreys of late. He's a bruising second row, which complements a, a more flashy, handsy kind of second row, like. Excellent. Okay, so uh, moving on to the back row, 
one I think this is probably my most shocking omission. I'm going Morgan Morris, Jack Morgan, Justin Tipperick, Toby Fowato, Aaron Wainwright, and Christian Zer. That sounds uh, like a Gatlin back row. <laughs> yeah. It it does it, it does, doesn't it? Because like this this covering a lot of bases there with 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 what's there. I um, yeah. I've gone uh, Falatau, Jack Morgan, Tipperick, Thomas Young, Moriarty, and Tommy Raffle. Ooh, this. How about you, Mikey? <laughs> oh, right. I, I I know I mentioned this guy a lot in the podcast, but I haven't got. I haven't, I, couldn't do it. I didn't have. I. I couldn't find players for him. So I've got um, Wainwright, Moriarty, Jack Morgan, Tubrick, uh, Tom Young and Falato. Okay. So you didn't go for Morris. No. I th- oh. He is. I, I, I think he's going to have a look at him as an eight. Well, I'd love it if he did. But where do you, where do you fit him in? I, I think Moriarty isn't. A, I don't think Gatlin like, reads him that much. The yeah. only thing there is he, he Covers that six and eight, and you can put him on with Falato. Yeah, as two crashers. Whereas yeah. you don't pick. If you only pick Morgan Morris, he's only an eight. Yeah, no, I get that. Okay, so my notable exceptions then. Um, no Tompkins. I think he's too chaotic for Gatland. Yeah, and he's play and he's playing in England. Watkin, I just think. Maybe we've got to his ceiling, and some of the other players have got a higher ceiling than him. But we need to find out now. Raffle, purely just because he's playing in England, Gatlin doesn't like it, and there's just better players, well, as good players in his position. And Young, he's an out-and-out seven, and I, I think Gatlin likes that ability to cover more than one position. Um, so, boys, you got any notable omissions there? Um, yeah, do you want to go next, Ed? Yeah, so uh, similar to you, um, I've got um, Owen Lane, I think. Um, I know he's had a couple of bites of the cherry and it's not quite worked for him, but he's been very good for Cardiff recently and he's a big winger, big fast winger that Gatlin likes. So I'm thinking there's a chance he could be called in, but I just thought there's too many better players ahead of him, Yeah, in my opinion that just pip into the post. Um, and Joe Hawkins was my mission just because of the the experience, I think, in he was wanting to, to cover the the inexperience of the centres. But I'd be happy to be wrong with Joe Hawkins over Watkins, to be honest. Yeah. And Ryan Elias, of course. Yeah. Any uh, any notable exceptions to you, Mikey? Yeah, I've got a few. I mean, and all of them, I think, maybe by one or two, like... Um, Domachowski, I think he's been doing great things lately, and he's a big old chap. Yeah. And um, I think there's another one to have a look at in the future. Ben Carter's done nothing wrong, really. Um, and again, Tane Basham and Morgan Morris. I mean, Tane Basham hasn't had a lot of game time, but yeah, I think I think that's done for him. That's probably it. But Morgan Morris has, and I think that's I was there or there about with it, like and um, Kieran Hardy, Reese Patchell. And anyway, you mentioned him as well, Alex Cuthbert and uh, Ryan Conbia. Yeah. Um, Joe Watkins deserves it. Mason Mason Grady deserves a, a, a look as well. And um, you mentioned as well tonight, uh, Lee Penny. Yeah. You know, I think there's they've all all them there have got uh, 
fair, fair reason to, to, to be involved in the squad as much as anyone. Eh? Yeah, I think for me then, uh, moving on quickly to notable inclusions, mine were Owen Williams, Mason Grady, uh, Patchell, Morgan Morris and Kieran Williams. I think if those were to be included, they would be like, oh, hello, who's this? Um, but I, I really, yeah, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility for any of those guys. Yeah. Uh, Similarly, yeah. sort of like, um, I had a look at Keelan Giles, yeah. Sam Costello, Dane Blacker and David Jenkins as um, as ones who would sort of maybe turn heads because they could be boots filled there by, by other players. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky. I I can't wait to see what he actually does. Um, yeah, I I do you know what I was really close to not including Alan Wynn. I like it wouldn't yeah. surprise me in a sort of how Martin Williams was left out way that he just thinks it's the end of the line for Alan Wynn. He's got no I did qualms it. with doing that to players, has he? Nope. So he doesn't does he? Yeah, and like, it's a list, isn't he? Yeah, I would be happy It'll if be... Uh, he dropped Alan Wynn and put Reese Davis in for my for my locks list anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I guess happy's not the word, but I could see you know the the day will come. Yeah, but he what he was so fired up against Australia. I still can't say for sure that it's happening. And yeah. I think that's kind of like, um, he's he's bought himself another game, hasn't he? I think yeah. he's bought himself maybe another tournament with with that performance against Australia can kind of pull a pull a game out of a bag when he needs to. Actually, I feel like there might be some mind games afoot. He might drop him for the Six Nations, rock it up the arse for the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you could have that. an angry Alan Wynn rearing to go then at the World Cup. Yeah, angry Alan Wynn. He, 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 he might give him the Six Nations off, you know, just rest him. True. That's not, that, that wouldn't be unheard of. Like, you know, they wouldn't. I wouldn't be disappointed with that. It gives the, the boys in the second row a chance. Yeah. And like, you know, you, you keep an alley win from that high level of competition because bloody hell, we know we can do it. Yeah. All right, then. Well, that wraps it up. I'm sure we'll be interested to see what happens next week. We'll be talking about that when we get the news, yep. uh, which just moves us on finally then to our forbidden loves of the week. I've got one queued up and ready if you boys want to think about yours for a little bit. Yeah. Um, mine was uh, Fafita's one handed line out take last night in the last 10 minutes of the bloody game what a baller like, <laughs> like <laughs> what a baller if, if it wasn't bad enough that we would lose it anyway he's just like oh yeah this doesn't matter Glump. <laughs> I hate non- nonchalant I, I, almost I hated it but I loved it yeah full on ambivalence there any others oh go on Mikey uh, yeah yeah um, I got I picked one from every round really but um, yeah ugh I I got first that um that niggle in the Blues and Dragons game. It was awesome. It's 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 like oh, it feels so wrong, but it looks so right. Like it it was, it was the it was the right side of the of the line as well. It never yeah. really truly boiled over to a proper no. fist fight, but it was simmering yeah. underneath the whole time. Yeah, and, and rugby doesn't need that, and I don't think it helped with the um with the Bradley Roberts Tom Young. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> And um, it was like there was no need. They haven't got to play in history against each other. I don't think. So they don't know each other from Adam. Like, do you know what I mean? And I don't know. It's, it's um. So there was that from that round, and uh, Jack Walsh's um, Maradona's hand of hand of oh my god. Oh, that was that was ridiculous. <laughs> there's there's no way I'm in love with that. That was just stupid. It's, it's, <laughs> it was like you can't 
was see what he's trying to do. It's like, oh, I'll just I'll just knock it out the way. Nobody will notice. No, oh, the ten thousand people in the crowd will all see that, and the TMO <laughs> will not. Like, all right, Edo, how about you? Um, I mean, it's controversial, so I guess the whole point of it is love. But uh, to finally see a pushing and shoving handbags uh, actually have a punch to the face <laughs> in the Star <laughs> Dragons game. Like, yeah. you see it a lot, and it's funny because it's just these big, big, burly grown men just pushing and shoving each other, knowing they can't deck anyone because it's all on TV and that's your band sorted. But, like, seeing Calamaphony just be like, you don't fucking touch my scrum hat, boy. <laughs> and then- it's incredible. <laughs> like, it's, it's got to the point, hasn't it? Where like you see them squaring up, you're like, "Oh well, nothing's gonna happen. I'll just yeah. go and do some texting while this until this blows over." And yeah, somebody actually hit somebody. Like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's I think that's the very definition of a forbidden love. Thing. Yeah. Right. All right then. I get. I guess that uh, probably wraps us up tonight then. Yep. Yeah. Smashing. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back next week. Um, I think it's Mikey's turn in the hosting chair. So. We'll all be looking forward to his introduction. And uh, yeah, I guess that just leaves us to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe and see you next time. Bye. Bye.